Chapter 55 The Love That Passes Knowledge Many waters cannot quench love, nor will rivers overflow it. If a man were to give all the riches of his house for love, it would be utterly despised. Song of Solomon 8.7 Let us take this verse as descriptive of the love of Christ. The love which surpasses knowledge. Ephesians 3.19 It is he who speaks in the fifth verse, Beneath the apple tree I awakened you. His words here remind us of similar ones elsewhere. I have loved you with an everlasting love, therefore I have drawn you with loving kindness. Jeremiah 31, 3. I led them with cords of a man with bonds of love. Hosea 11, 4. He found him in a desert land and in the howling waste of a wilderness. Deuteronomy 32, 10. Only these three passages refer to Israel whereas our text refers to the whole church from the beginning, of which it is said, Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Ephesians 5.25 We might say that the passage carries us back to Eve, the mother of all the living, Genesis 3.20, under the fatal tree. The Redeemer comes and raises up her offspring under that tree, for she is the mother of all the living. And there this mother of the living brought her children forth in sorrow, according to the original sentence on the woman, In pain you will bring forth children. Genesis 3.16 Jesus thus declares his love to his church, and she replies, Put me like a seal, Song of Solomon 8.6, not only over your heart, but also on your arm, your inner and your outer part, your place of love, your place of strength, your place of energy and action. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Romans 8.35 His love is as invincible and irresistible as death. It is a jealous love, as unyielding and relentless as the grave. Its true figure is that of fire, coals of fire, the very flame of Jehovah. Here, then, is the love of Christ. Its breadth, length, height, and depth are absolutely immeasurable. But our text singles out two things especially concerning this love. One, it is unquenchable, and two, it is unpurchasable. One, it is unquenchable. It's not all love that is unquenchable, but this love is. It is love forevermore. As the great old poet wrote, Love is not love which alters when it alteration finds, or bends with the remover to remove. Oh no, it is an ever-fixed mark, that looks on tempests and is never shaken. It is the star to every wandering bark, whose worth's unknown, although his height be taken. This great love of Christ's is beyond a father's, mother's, brother's, sister's, or a lover's love. It is the one and only love that passes knowledge, the one love that nothing in heaven, earth, or hell is able to extinguish or cool, the one love whose dimensions are beyond all measure. It is here spoken of as a thing of fire, and as such it is affirmed that waters, deep waters, Psalm 69, 1-2, cannot quench it, and as a thing of life that the floods cannot drown, Psalm 69, 15, and 93.3. 1. The waters of shame and suffering sought to quench and drown it. 
they would have hindered its outflowing, and would have come, like Peter, between the Saviour and the cross. But this love refused to be restrained on its way to Calvary. It would not be either quenched or drowned. Herein was love. It leaped over all the barriers in its way. It refused to be extinguished or drowned. Its fire would not be quenched. Its life would not be drowned. 2. The waters of death sought to quench it. Their waves and billows went over him. The grave sought to cool or quench it, but it proved itself stronger than death. Neither death nor the grave could alter or weaken it. It came out of both as strong as before. Love defied death and overcame it. 3. The waters of our unworthiness could not quench nor drown love. In general, we find love drawing to the lovable, and when anything unbecoming occurs, we find it withdrawing from its object. Not so here. All our unfitness and unlovableness could not quench nor drown His love. It clung to the unlovely and refused to be torn away. For the waters of our long rejection sought to quench it. After the gospel had shown us that personal unworthiness could not restrain the love of Christ, we continued to reject Him and His love. Yet His love surmounted this unbelief and survived this rejection. In spite of everything, it remained unquenched. And five, the waters of our daily inconsistency sought to quench it. Even after we have believed, we are constantly coming up short. Ah, what inconsistencies, coldness, backslidings, lukewarmness, doubtings, worldliness, and the like are flowing over this love daily to quench its fire and drown its life. Yet it survives everything. It remains unquenched and unquenchable. All these infinite evils in us are like waters, deep waters, like floods, like torrents of sin, waves, and billows of evil, all constantly laboring to quench and drown the love of Christ. And truly, they would have annihilated any other love, any love less than divine. But this is unchangeable and everlasting. And two, it is unpurchasable. If a man were to give all the riches of his house for love, it would be utterly despised. The full meaning of this will come out under the following topics. All that a man has can do nothing in such a case. Love is not merchandise. It is not a marketable commodity. It has nothing to do with gold and silver. A man's whole substance is unprofitable and useless one as a gift to persuade him to love. Love does not come by gifts. Least of all does divine love come by human gifts. Christ's favor cannot be purchased by money. He loves without gifts and before all gifts. Let us do justice to His free love. It is useless, too, as payment for having been loved. Neither before nor after does gold have anything to do with love. Pay a man for loving? How revolting the thought! Pay Christ for loving? What a wickedness and what an impossibility in the thought! Love is altogether free. It is useless, three, as a bribe to tempt him not to love. Should the whole universe be offered to Christ on condition of his ceasing to love us, it would be utterly despised. Who or what will separate us from the love of Christ? 
all earth and heaven together would be ineffective to cool or quench this mighty love. He cannot but love, whatever may be the gifts offered to sustain his love. And it is useless for as a substitute for love. As if a man should say to another, a father to a son or a brother to a sister, I cannot love you, but here is money to make up for my lack of love. Would not such a proposal be utterly despised? As if Christ were to say to us, I cannot love you, but I give you heaven, will that suffice? Would we not answer, What are all these gifts without love? Though we give our body to be burned, what would this be without love? Or what can Christ say to us for bringing him gifts, offerings, prayers, tears, and money? Everything but love. Without love, what are the riches of the universe? It is love he asks for. It is love we need. Love we must have. What will be given in exchange for love? The love of Christ truly passes knowledge. It is infinite like himself. It emerges out of every storm or flood. It survives all unworthiness and unbelief and rejection. It is this that fills the soul, that liberates us from bondage, and that gladdens us in the most sorrowful hour. Love is the true sunshine of life, and with this love Christ is to fill not heaven only, but also earth, when he comes again in his glory.